Melanie, what kind of plant do they recommend? Is it a specific kind of plant? Can you tell us more about that? There are a couple of articles on Lifehacker about this that have been found to like be able to survive fluorescent lights and stuff like that if you're like in an office environment. Hey, this is John Lee Dumas from Entrepreneur on Fire. You're listening to my friend, Ash Roy. Welcome to the Productive Insights Podcast, where you can learn how to systemize, automate, and scale your business via the internet. To access previous episodes and useful productivity tips, go to ProductiveInsights.com. Now, here's your host, Ash Roy. When you decide to take your business to the next level through good quality business coaching and actionable online strategies, head over to ProductiveInsights.com and book a free 30-minute consultation with me. Hello, everyone. Today, I'd like to introduce Milani Panola, a contributor to Lifehacker.com, which is one of my favorite websites when it comes to productivity. Milani has recently written a book called The Successful Virtual Office in 30 Minutes, Best Practices, Tools, and Setup Tips for Your Home Office, Co-working Space, or Mobile Office. Milani specializes in writing about technology and productivity. This is her second book in the 30-minute series. The first one was on LinkedIn. It was called LinkedIn in 30 Minutes. Milani began her career at a marketing agency in New York, where she managed the IT department, designing marketing materials, and developed communication strategies for startups and Fortune 500 companies, all remotely over VPN. Today, she writes for Lifehacker.com, IT World, and About.com's mobile office technology sites. Sometimes, she does it in her pajamas. You can find Milani on Twitter via her handle, at Milani Pinola, spelled M-E-L-A-N-I-E-P-I-N-O-L-A. Welcome, Milani. Thank you. It's great to be here. It's great to have you, Milani. I'm thrilled to have you here. Your Lifehacker is really a fantastic website, and I'm honored to have you on my podcast. So, Milani, can you talk to us a little bit about your view of the virtual office and why you think it's so important today to have a successful virtual office setup? Yeah, you know, more of us today are working from home or working after we come home from the office on our home computers or our mobile phones and tablets and stuff. So we're doing more work outside of the actual corporate office because that's where we actually are able to work better. So, you know, my definition of a virtual office is just any place that you can work that isn't the traditional office. And because technology has enabled us to do this, it has so many benefits for everyone, for the business owners and for the employees themselves. There's just a lot more flexibility and just the time savings and the stress reduction and not having to commute, you know, two hours a day every mm. day is um is pretty huge. So I think this move from work being someplace that you go to to work being what you do is pretty huge and and kind of life-changing, I think, for a lot of people. Yes, I have to agree. Having worked in the corporate world for a long time, I have to say that I did see the transition. You know, initially we were working in offices and then the offices kind of started following us home in the form of a mobile phone or a computer or a laptop that you took home with you. And absolutely, I completely agree with you that the office has very much changed. The definition of an office has changed from being four walls or a cubicle to something that follows your home and actually is now moving into wearable tech on your Apple Watch. I don't know how much work you can do on an Apple Watch. But, uh, <laughs> well, I'll tell you. I, it might be moving there. I got one about three weeks ago when they just came out, and I do check email sometimes on the Apple Watch. I am very disciplined about when I check my email because I'm a big believer in not 
allowing it to interrupt my day too much. I very much believe in single tasking like you do and you mentioned in your book. But when I do have some spare time and I know that I can afford to spend about a minute or two, you know, sometimes even when I'm going for a walk, I might check my email just quickly to see what's come in. And even if it is just to delete some stuff. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Especially when there's a lot of downtime, you, you can make more use of your, you know, those spare minutes place another. Mm-hmm. Right. And not to de-emphasize the importance of downtime, because I do think that is very important too. You can't be switched on all the time because that just drains you. But I do think that there are some times when you're waiting in a queue and you just want to do something with your time and you feel the urge to do something constructive with your time, you can use wearables. And I think Apple has only just come out with a watch, but I'm sure they're going to have many iterations where they're going to make it more and more user-friendly and they're going to build in the user experience based on feedback they get because I think that's something they're really good at. So it'll be interesting to see what happens on that front. Yeah, definitely. An office on your wrist. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so we've established why it's important to have a successful virtual office and the fact that offices are morphing more and more into mobile offices and creeping into our homes. How does a business owner or a busy professional go about creating a successful virtual office? Can you give us some tips to get started? Sure. There are actually, I think, probably two ways, you know, two different groups of people that this would apply to. There are the business owners who have employees that they want to be able to work remotely. And then there are the actual employees themselves or the freelancers or the independent, you know, workers creating their own virtual offices. And for both groups, I think the biggest thing is to just give it a try and to give it a real try because a lot of people start off maybe like the first week and it's working great or it's working terribly and they think that's all it is. But it, it takes a lot of time to actually get into your groove and to, to figure out what's working and what's not working. So to really give it a chance. So how long do you suggest a person gives it to give it a real shot? What sort of time frame are we talking about? You know, I was looking at a couple of sources and they were suggesting about three months is a good trial mm-hmm. period. And okay. it doesn't have to be an all out, you know, full time thing. You can start with like one day a week working from home or, you know, one or two days. Or you can do like a whole stunt of two weeks also and go all in. But it's just to give it enough of an actual chance mm-hmm. where you can see what, you know, because. It really takes time to get into that groove where you know what's working and what's not. And, you know, the tech tools are a big part of it, like Skype and having the communication tools like uh, Slack and Basecamp and stuff like that, collaboration mm-hmm. and being in constant contact. But I think the biggest part is being flexible and having the communication lines open and having a sort of process already set up from the beginning where you know how and when you're going to get in contact and what's going to be measured and just having that accountability accounted for already at the start really helps. It just eases the mind of like everybody who's working remotely or not remotely, like everyone on the team, basically. So I'm a big believer in minimalism and trying to keep technology as a means to an end rather than becoming an end in itself, which often happens, particularly for people who love technology like myself and I'm assuming yourself. What are your favorite tools and applications? What do you really recommend if you said just three really useful tools that someone could use to set up their virtual office? 
Personally, I rely on uh, Trello, mm-hmm. Evernote, and these days Slack because that's yep. what my company uses. I think most tools these days are moving towards enabling collaboration. So there's a lot of sharing on built into it and all that. But actually, I depend very much on Evernote just mm. to offload all the information. Yeah. I don't know if it's so much a remote work tool. In a sense, it is because it does have the sharing built in and stuff like that. And you can do presentations from it. But I think everybody should just use Evernote. <laughs> I completely agree. The thing that I really love about Evernote is its search and retrieval facility. I mean, it's so powerful. You can just throw anything in there. And if you want to go back and look for information, you can always go back and retrieve it really easily. There's tagging. There's a whole lot of really excellent tools in Evernote. I also tend to create a lot of my systems in Evernote. So, for example, with a podcast, you know, I have a pre-podcast checklist. I have a post-podcast checklist. And I have a bit of a podcast outline like the one I sent to you before this podcast. And it really helps to make sure you don't miss things and, you know, you tick all the boxes, you don't forget to press the record button, when you, you know, things like that. And I think Evernote is really powerful because it synchronizes across all your devices as well. So I'm a big believer in Evernote. I also happen to use Slack as well, which I find fantastic. Yeah. I've played around with Trello quite a bit, but I lately have been using Podio, which I find to be very, very useful. It's very customizable. Uh, It's also a nice CRM tool. Do you mind touching on some highlights from your book that you would like to share with the audience? Some of the things that really will give them quick wins. I think the most important thing for someone who's going to start working virtually and on their own is to set up a routine and to block out their time according to their energy, like when they're most productive when they're most lucid and alert and stuff like that that i was telecommuting for like over a dozen years and i've been working at home for longer than that as a freelancer so the biggest challenges are usually being distracted or procrastinating you have (laughs) you know you have all this free time that you control yourself and you're kind of your worst enemy so having that sort of structure really is the most important thing, I think, to me. So just like outlining what your day is going to be like, typically, mm-hmm. or planning your day around what your priorities are and when you're going to be able to do them best is probably the best method of actually being able to work at home yeah. or remotely. Yeah, I'm a big believer in targeted to-do lists. I wrote a post on it, and I think that was the one that got picked up and featured on Lifehacker. And I think that task selection is really important. I also do agree completely about managing your energy and not your time, as Tony Schwartz talks about. I try and make sure that I get some wins early in the day. And I find what's very effective is actually physically writing things down on a piece of paper. I still use you know, OmniFocus or things and all those sorts of apps for task capture. But I'm learning to really focus on the Pareto principle and use the 80-20 rule to really try and do that 20% of work that is going to yield the 80% of the results, the most important things. And I try and do those early in the morning. I also try and do some exercise in the morning because if I leave it towards the end of the day, I tend not to do it. And that also dramatically helps increase energy levels. Yeah, there are some tasks that I know I'm putting off because I don't want to do them and they're hard, (laughs) but because I know that I have to do them first because I will never do them. You know what I mean? So that definitely helps just to know what your worst habits are and then (laughs) to 
to fight against that right, and right. structure your day around that. Yes, I, I try and use mindfulness to be aware of these habits and these patterns. I'm a big follower of Leo Babauta's approach. I've been practicing mindfulness for some years now, and it can be very useful in you know, shedding light on those behaviors that lead to procrastination. Often I've found something that sits below procrastinating behavior tends to be fear. So it's interesting to sort of peel the layers back, to use mindfulness to peel back the layers and look beneath the surface symptoms and then address the underlying issue, which often is fear of change or fear of doing something that's really big and scary or fear of failure. Once you understand that, you often come up with insights like you may say, okay, I'm not going to try and succeed at the massive, huge task. I'm going to break it down into a little task and then there's less likelihood of me failing. And that way you make a start. And once you make a start, of course, you have the momentum. Yeah, it's all about just starting, really. Yes, yes, that's a huge thing. Okay, Milani, what are the most common challenges you've noticed with people who are setting up their virtual office and what's worked best in terms of overcoming those challenges? It's hard for people when they're working remotely on a team to really connect with each other, I think. There's a communication gap usually. A big part of it is because most of the time we're communicating over, you know, in text messages or emails. Mm -hmm. You don't get the context. Yeah. You know, in the, in the language or in the wording. And it's hard to form relationships over, mm. over a long distance when you're not really seeing a person, even over video chat or whatever. You, it's, it's not the same as being, seeing somebody every day. Yeah. But it's still doable. You know, if the communication lines are open, if there's a daily chat or if there's a yearly or occasional, you know, get together that you can come into the office in person, that helps a lot. The bottom line, I think, is that the company itself has to foster a culture that supports remote work mm -hmm. because there are companies that do have employees who work remotely and who work in the office and they do great. And there are ones that, you know, just it seems to the remote workers that they're off on some island by themselves, you know. Yeah. For myself, the biggest challenge is just, you know, the isolation. Mm -hmm. And on that end, it, it just means that I have to work harder at, you know, actually connecting with other people besides hmm. the virtually, you know what I mean? And something you mentioned in your book is going to workspaces or hubs where different entrepreneurs come together and work in a common area, which can be quite useful to create that sense of an office atmosphere, which is also a good idea. Do you also recommend instances where someone is completely isolated from their team that they should try and meet with their team once every three months or so? Yeah, definitely, if they can. That, you know, a lot of 100% um, remote work teams like uh, Buffer and their whole bunch of that, and Basecamp, I think, is pretty much mostly remote. They have like these company get togethers usually, or they have these policies where they connect their workers who can meet together in real life in the real world yes. <laughs> just to foster that sort of relationship because it's kind of vital to, you know, team development. Yes. I actually have a person that works with me and he's based in the Philippines and I really am keen to go out and meet him. His name is Henry and he does fantastic work and I want to go and meet him in person and say thank you for his work. But you know, flying there is quite a commitment. So I'm looking forward to doing it sometime soon. I completely agree with you. Sometimes when someone has done fantastic work, you want to thank them in person. You don't want to just do it over a Skype call or something. It's a good reason to go on a trip. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 
Yeah, something definitely to look forward to. Okay, so the biggest challenge you found then is with people working remotely is the isolation. The way that they can overcome that is working in a hub or some kind of a common shared office space, looking at having quarterly meetups if budgets permit that. Any other tools that they can use? Any other challenges you've seen they've had to overcome with working remotely? You know, besides the communication issues and the isolation, it's basically pretty much the same challenges that you experience when you're working on your own. Like as a, you know, if you're a freelancer or an independent contractor, it's issues with procrastination and distraction. And a lot of times when you're working remotely, people think that you're always available or they might expect that you're slacking off also. There are so many you know, misconceptions about working remotely that that are just misconceptions. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk a little bit about some quick wins that listener can take to get started today with their setting up their virtual office. One is create a disciplined approach. Try and tackle the biggest things first thing in the morning. Don't see your virtual office as a place where you do anything but work. So I think when you sit down at your desk, create this mental habit of only sitting there to work. And if you're not working, get up and move away from your desk, because I think it's very easy for Facebook and Twitter and all these other distractions to creep into your day. And before you know it, you're just whiling long periods of time away doing unproductive stuff. Any other tips you can suggest? It's funny that you mentioned like that dedicated workspace thing, because I was thinking after I wrote the book that I have this habit when I'm sitting on the couch of, you know, looking on my iPad and doing work there because I had started that habit every morning sitting there and doing that. And so it's kind of like the opposite where like people go into their home office and they do other things besides work. Yes. Whereas I was in my living room and I was getting used to being in my living room and doing work Mm. because you have to really separate your spaces and create distinct, you know, spaces for your, for each purpose. You know, that's an easy thing that you can do is to tweak your workspace. So it is more of an environment that's more productive for you. And there are some things that research has said that would help you be more productive in your office. And that's things like changing the colors that are around you, the colors of your, not just your walls, but your desk accessories and stuff like that. So there's certain colors that are more calming, like blue or more energizing or more creative, yellow, and even just having a plan just having a plan in front of you is like supposedly like yeah like 15 percent productivity boost which is weird but that's why i have a plan where they're almost dying on me have you noticed a difference i do because when i look at it i think oh i'm being more productive (laughs) this is giving me more productivity (laughs) melani what kind of plan do they recommend is it a specific kind of plan can you tell us more about that there are a couple of articles on Lifehacker about this that have been found to like be able to survive fluorescent lights and stuff like that if you're like in an office environment. I am not very good with plants, so I have a snake plant next to me right? because it's supposedly going to survive. But it's a real plant. It's not a fake one. It's a real plant. I don't think the fake plants, maybe the fake plants work. I don't know. But the studies found like the real plants in front of you actually help you work better, cool. more accurately. Yeah, and I think like if you have a lot of windows and you can see outside, you can yes. see like the trees or whatever. Yeah. it is a huge boost in your mindset. I know when I did my MBA, I remember studying the effects of lighting. I think was it Taylor or something, one of these the scientific management approach guy. He talked about the effect of lighting on productivity. And I do think definitely natural light makes a massive difference to me. I'll tell you another trick that really 
worked for me when I was transitioning a couple of years ago from the corporate world into my home office, I actually used to put on formal work clothes to try and get my head into that space because I was so prone to wasting time or I would just feel like, oh, I've freed from the cage of my cubicle and was so tempted to just do nothing or not do stuff that I intended to do and then feel lousy at the end of the day. So I actually started wearing formal office clothes to my end. I actually found it made a difference. I've heard that. I've heard also that some people go outside and walk around the block. Yeah. You know, they get dressed up, they go outside, walk around the block, come back inside to their home office and start working. Because it's the same thing as like having that boundary and, and having that, putting yourself in a sort of mindset where you're, all right, I'm going to work. Yes. Where it's not like, you know, I'm getting up and I'm in my PJs or doing whatever. Which is fine sometimes, but as long sure. as you've done the major part of your day, you've achieved most of your goals, then maybe you can look at working in your PJs at the end of the day. But starting your day in your PJs, maybe that'll work after you've been doing it for a long time and your mind and your body, everything is aligned to the idea of working at a certain time. But I think initially, when you're making the transition, I think these little cues are really good because I believe we are symbolic creatures. Humans are symbolic creatures. And by having a shower, getting changed, and doing exactly what you used to do when you used to go to work in a corporate setting, by following those processes in your home office, you're much more likely to get your entire being into work mindset. Yeah, absolutely. It's kind of like, you know, the recommendation to always make your bed in the morning mm. where you're yes. doing something, you know, and you're establishing a sort of ritual for yourself to get mm. into that start of your day. Yeah. It's a quick win, isn't it? I mean, when you make your bed in the morning, you feel like, okay, I've accomplished something and I've put something in order. And that's a great way to start the day. Right. Okay. So there's some great tips we have here. So we've talked about the importance of routine. We've talked about having a workspace which you dedicate for working and try and restrict that only to work. And when you're not working, when you want to play, as it were, Get up, walk away from your desk and go ahead and take a break, play, but don't try and mix the two because they can impinge on each other. We talked about starting your day on a positive note by making your bed and doing something where you've set something in order so you start off on a good note. We've talked about some good tools like Trello, Evernote, Slack. We both love Evernote. I also mentioned Podio, which is a great customer relationship management tool and also works well for project management. We've talked about the importance of routine and blocking out times in the morning, especially when you're most lucid to do the most challenging tasks and again, getting your quick wins. We've talked about the benefit of establishing occasional in-person meetups for people who are working remotely and also of working in shared workspaces to try and overcome the challenge of isolation. So there's a whole lot of tools and tips here. Now, how does a listener get in contact with you, Milani, if they wish to find out more about your book or find out more about you? You know, the best way is through Twitter. Mm -hmm. So that's Milani Panola is my handle. Mm -hmm. But I'm also on LinkedIn for people who want to connect with me that way. Okay. So I'll put both of those in the show notes. If they want to purchase your book, they can buy it on Amazon. Is that right? Yes, it's on Amazon and I think a couple of other places, Barnes and Nobles, I don't know. But Amazon probably is the best place to go. It was an honor to have you, Milani. Thank you so much for being on my podcast. Thank you. It was great being here. Thanks.
When you decide to take your business to the next level through good quality business coaching and actionable online strategies, head over to ProductiveInsights.com and book a free 30-minute consultation with me. Thanks for listening to the Productive Insights Podcast. You can find all the links in the show notes below this episode on ProductiveInsights.com. You can also ask questions in the comments section that Ash personally answers. How can Ash help you today?